Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Therapy, live with John and Todd. That's close enough, isn't it? That's that's <laughs> as good as it can be put, John. How are you doing, Todd? Oh, yeah, I'm doing. It's been kind of an interesting few days, but, uh, you know. Why, um, why has it been interesting? Well, where do I start? Yesterday... My wife once again proved that she's tougher than me. Tough, tough, tough. She's standing next to you, isn't she? No, she's in the other room now. Okay. Kidney stone. Kidney stone. And oh, wow. uh, finally she went to the hospital. And she's discovered why everybody likes fentanyl. Um, oh, my God. But they sent her home with some other drugs and... That didn't work nearly as good as the fentanyl, but it passed. She's kind of back to her ornery self, but uh, she did make the comment she was trying to decide. You know, she'd heard people say that that's the only thing that the only thing that comes close to childbirth is a kidney stone, and uh, she she's I think of that. Uh, I think she's of that opinion. She said, of course, if childbirth had hurt as well, if a kidney stone had lasted as long as childbirth, she says, maybe I'd have a different opinion. But uh, yeah. So there's that. Watched the Nebraska game on Saturday. And I think I was a lot like a lot of people just, uh, you know, it wasn't right, that. Right. We have to acknowledge the news. Well, yeah, you're right. We do. We shouldn't go too far. So, um, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, you know, John, you and I are huge college football fans. I think we're we're probably <laughs> that's one of the few things in life that give us, you know, total joy is is college football. And uh, you know, I think it's uh, we would be remiss if we didn't send our regards and our thoughts and our prayers and and you know whatever else families of those three football players at the University of Virginia who were uh, murdered today or yesterday, excuse me, murdered yesterday by a former player. Um, you know, I, I don't know much about the circumstances and I'm sure that, uh, you know, imaginations have run wild, but um, I know that uh, they canceled their basketball game against uh, University of Northern Iowa tonight. And uh, I would be surprised if, Virginia plays football this weekend. Uh, yeah. Nor should they. And, and uh, you know, just heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's it kind of surprising. I guess they were at a – they went to a, a field trip to a play, and then when they were getting on the bus, off the bus, they, when they returned, they were attacked or something. I didn't – I don't know all the details. I'm sure they're going to come out. Yeah. But in, yeah. in any case, it's pretty horrific. Uh, we do have a lot of people joining us. Thank you guys for all the welcomes. And I, you want you Michigan game? Yeah, <laughs> you know I know that you commented uh, in a couple of different forums that you found the game very boring. Um, oh my god! Yeah, but you know I, I kept thinking uh, if we were on the other side of that, if it was Nebraska that was just pounding away, ground and pound. I mean. You know, uh, we've all been in stadiums where just the opposite happened, and we're just thinking that's just great about, you know, just running the ball and, and between the tackles. 
uh, you know, hanging on to it so the other team doesn't have a chance to score. Um, you know, so I think that um, Michigan kind of gave us a taste of the medicine that we'd been handing out for years, and, and it was really frustrating uh, to be on that side of it. Um, I'm do you not, know how boring? Do you know how boring the game was? Tell me, tell me. I I started tweeting about the sex lives of eels. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Now I don't know anything do you know about what? the sex sex life of eels. Well, you know what? The sex lives of eels are extremely interesting. I think I actually put something about the sex lives of eels in my, in my heart attack survivor book. I don't remember. They, and the reason why I don't remember is you write so many drafts of a book and then you, you know, I have editors and they look at you and go, what the fuck are you doing with this? <laughs> so I don't know if that made it into the book. But since I know you all want to hear about the sex lives of eels, here's the thing. All eels return to the, or all North American and European eels return to the Sargasso Sea to mate, to reproduce. Now, that might sound, people might go, well, what's the big deal with that? Okay, for literally 2,000 years, people have tried to discover the mystery of eel mating and eel reproduction. Sigmund Freud, I should have had it up here. I tweeted it out. Sigmund Freud literally dissected so many eels looking for reproductive organs that he made comments about how his hands were soaked with blood of eels. And I think it was Aristotle who proposed that mud produced eels. So... All eels return to the Sargasso Sea. That's your trivia. Yet I could put, I could go on for more about this, but I'm not sure. We have other stuff. No, right? we, we got more. Well, I hope we have more important stuff. <laughs> I just want to know one thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Think about this for a minute. All the eels in North America and Europe return to the Sargasso Sea. Well, how do they know if they're new? You know what I mean? How do they know? Well, how do birds know to fly south? How do butterflies oh know? I mean, you know? The mysteries of the universe. There we go. And we're going to talk about some mysteries of the Nebraska football universe <laughs> in just a few moments. John, I think you need to start pinning some of these questions. There's a whole bunch oh. of good ones coming on there. Um, you know, hey. Go ahead. I'm back, sorry. Back to the Michigan game real quick. You know, it's one of those games where it was hard. I mean, you know, I, I didn't get angry. I didn't get upset. You know, I mean, there were a few people on the on uh, the thread, you know, that expressed some of that. And I thought, are you kidding me? I mean, they're playing against, you know, what, Michigan's the number third ranked team or they're one of the top four playoff teams. I mean, they're legit. I mean, they're big time. Holy smokes. And uh, we're in there with our second string quarterback who gets hurt. And then they put our third string quarterback, or you can call, you know, whatever way you want to rank the quarterbacks, I would have flipped them. But so, you know, that's what we're working with. And then um, while everybody, at least on the thread I was following, is just crucifying Whipple, he gets smoked on the sidelines. And. So Mickey Joseph calls plays for a little bit in the second half until they could get Whipple up to the press box so that he can call plays. I mean, you know, it just it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me 
to get your shorts in a bunch other than the fact that, A, we all know that Nebraska has fallen, and B, um, we have to look for those little victories, and people can talk about all they want to about, you know, unless you've got the W on the scoreboard, it doesn't matter. Well, truth be told, you know, this has been a year of survival, and this has been an opportunity for some players and coaches to audition for whatever the future might bring. And Michigan, Michigan was better in all aspects of the game. I don't there there is I don't think there is one aspect of the game where you could say that Nebraska uh, performed better than Michigan did. We got more injuries. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's just that. like just Chubba Purdy was just it was just like, OK, maybe he's figuring this out and then he goes and get injured. You know, yeah, what I, I mean, know. that was the thing about it. He's like, oh, my God, we actually gained first downs. Oh, my God, there's two first downs. And then, bam, he gets injured. And you're like, yep. what, what, well, what the hell? There's the prime example of why specializing in sports starting at a young age is a detriment because if Chubba Purdy had been allowed by his parents to play baseball, he would have learned how to slide properly. But no, no. You know, like so many of the parents today, they think their kid's going to be an All-American this or an All-American that. We're going to specialize in one sport. And Chubba Purdy got hit trying to execute a slide that any five-year-old could have done much better. You made it 10 minutes without the these kids these days things. It was very good. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to leave the mystery of the Big Ten West for later. Volleyball. Let's do, how about volleyball? Uh, you watch the Yeah. Man. Man. They they go they go on the road and they just they didn't look they didn't look crisp. That team that was playing three weeks ago that was kicking ass and taking names. I mean, they were so dominant. Now, I understand Ohio State's a really, really good team, and that's a pretty tough environment. They say that Ohio State has um, sellouts and people, you know, standing in line waiting for tickets and that kind of thing, too. Um, you know, uh, Nebraska just couldn't couldn't keep it together. just wasn't consistent enough throughout the entire game. What did – did you watch it, John? Did you watch the game? You know, I watched part of it, and then I let my wife scream at the TV, which she was doing, and I went upstairs and cooked supper. So because, uh, what did you think of the students' theme night? Did you notice it? No, I, I, we wondered what was going on with that. What was the deal? It was hick night. They dressed like hicks, like I.E. Cornhuskers, like Nebraskans. Really? Yeah. Hick night. Hick night. Well, they were wearing their their plaid flannel shirts, and they were wearing their seed corn hats, you know, far international harvester hats pulled real low on their heads, and yeah, they were uh, okay, mo mocking, mocking. They us. were mocking us, those sons of bitches. <laughs> that's it. All that's all I got for them. The sons there of we bitches. Go. I hope that uh, I hope that we perform better as the season goes on. Okay, before we get to the Big Ten West, Wisconsin, and more college football, I want to ask you one thing: the Nebraska baseball schedule came out. Did you see it? Did you look yes, at it? Yes, I did, and I'm crushed. And crushed. Why are you crushed? 
Well, because I'm going to Texas in March because I figured since that's the only place down south that they played last year was Texas, and Will Bolt's from Texas, so I figured they'd be back in Texas again. So I'm going down to South by Southwest EDU again thinking, well, one of those two weekends, for sure, Nebraska will be in Texas. Oh, no. Minneapolis, the weekend that I'm driving to Texas, so you get to go watch them play. Oh, wow. And then the was... weekend after, at the back end of the weekend, they're going to play uh, Northern Colorado in uh, in Lincoln. So once again, you know, the geniuses that do scheduling seem to think that we're going to have baseball weather in early March in Nebraska, which happens like once every 10 years. Um they are going to Texas late in April, but that doesn't do me any good. I mean, what 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 goes here? What gives? I just don't understand it, you know? Well, you know, I was thinking I was going to get you a credential for Minneapolis, and I guess you won't be there. I, I would love I would love to be credentialed because that was so much fun a couple years ago, sitting up there in that stadium. That was a blast. <laughs> okay, a couple of things. They play Vanderbilt and Ole Miss in Minneapolis. Yeah, how about be that? There. Yeah. That's and, cool. And I haven't looked at the entire schedule yet, but do you remember what it was like in U.S. Bank? Yeah, with the glare off the ceilings and the and the outfielders exactly. couldn't see the ball worth the shit during the day. Yep. So I wondered if many many or Minnesota is scheduling all their games in the evening. In you the know evening. they have. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. For they people have. that don't know what I'm talking about, Todd and I were there during the pandemic when they did the pod thing. And I would we he was up in the press box and I was down. I had this whole section of U.S. Bank Stadium to myself because I was, I, you know, I had a camera. I was shooting the game, and I took this photo of an Ohio State player, and I, I think he was the third baseman, but he was behind third base and he was trying to catch a foul ball and he had his hands up above his head, but he had this look of horror, and I thought, why is that guy doing that? And then I saw another guy at second base or behind second base do it later in the game. And I thought, why are these guys so – they looked like they were terrified to try to catch the ball. And I realized I looked around and looked up at U.S. Bank, and the way that they were looking at the top of U.S. Bank, the glare was so bad, you could you were blinded completely. And I said something to one of the Minnesota people, you know, who was, you know, one of the guys that was security – he wasn't a security guy. He was a University of Minnesota guy, and he goes – Hey, we know what we're doing, home field advantage, right? And I thought, well, you know, I guess it is. I mean, we all, the South, the SEC schools certainly take advantage of that. But uh, I was thinking we would all get together at the uh, uh, Nebraska baseball here in Minneapolis in March. So maybe well, we'll you, see what together. You just as well do that, John. I'll be on my way to Texas. And I got now I've got to get more creative. Last year it was easy because Nebraska was playing down there. So I'm starting to plot my trip down. I'll find some baseball games to go to on the way down there. Just one. Hey, there's Aaron. I may Aaron says I may try to get to the Minneapolis game. Yeah, you you need to get up here. Okay, yeah. uh, should we take some? I have five pinned messages before well, they go. Let's do that. But hey, you know I I'm kind of running or looking at some of the comments that they're rolling. Hey, folks, you know John and I are about as political as they get. I mean we. We can cuss and, and debate and argue and punch each other because we're on opposite sides of the aisle. But 
let's leave it. Let's let's keep it out of here tonight, please. Yeah, that's that's true. I don't. It's just. Uh... I don't know. You go down the rabbit hole and then you're going straight to hell. Anyway, okay, what I, I just, I had something. Uh, okay, let's go with uh, living in Omaha, David Matney. Question, do the coaches' teams have any pressure to cover the spread? Todd, do you want that? I'm not a gambler, so I don't know what kind of, well, I am, but I don't bet sports. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So I is think the, the question, why did Michigan call that timeout to kick a field goal? Well, big flipping deal. At least they didn't chuck it into the end zone and try to rub it in that way. They I think the correct the correct answer, Todd, is they damn well better not feel any pressure to cover the spread because people, you know, I, I'm not a big baseball fan, but, you know, what was the 1919 Black Sox? Chicago White Sox, yeah. Yeah, what'd they call them? You know, I mean, it's, boy, if you have collusion between players or coaches and any kind of betting, it, it can literally destroy an entire sport just because the integrity of the sport has to be maintained. So they had better not ever feel any pressure. And if they did, they if they admitted it, they should be immediately shit-canned and hired by nobody else ever. So why did they kick that field goal? You know, because they could. I mean, it was a game. Yeah. You know, I yeah. guess I looked at it and kind of went, well, you know, whatever. Uh, that one call where the ball rolled out of bounds, I, I said on Twitter, you know, this call doesn't really matter. And a few people got upset with me. Like one guy said, uh, I, he, he said, I feel like you mean that we're so bad we don't deserve the call. And I thought, no, it's just, you know, this is over. This is done. We're going to go on from this. And the rest, the rest of the season is going to play out. And... Yes, they knew, need to make their correct call. It looked like it rolled out of bounds, but that wasn't the call. So it wasn't, I guess I didn't think it was that big a deal. Uh, here's M. Gaboski. Where the hell were you last week, man? Michigan fan here. The game was boring, and I felt just bad for Nebraska fans. It wasn't even competitive along the line of scrimmage, and all I wanted was to get out of there healthily. Boy, talk to Talk about a stab right in the chest there. Wasn't even competitive along the line of scrimmage. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what, M, when I was a younger man, <laughs> I would just go off on a rant right now. Don't give me your pity. Don't feel bad for me. <laughs> but I can't do that anymore because you're a you know, you've been loyal to the show and you seem to have a good head on your shoulders and we appreciate the com the comments that you make here. Just realize that the true national champions in 1997 were, in fact, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and then we're all okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Linda, our, our, our favorite Linda, uh, says, John, timely post on Matt today. Matt Rule. Uh, I would like to hear Todd's take on Matt being selected. Matt Rule, Todd, not Matt Davidson, just so you know. Uh, Matt Rule being selected head coach in Nebraska. So this one is a question for you from Linda. Matt Rule will be good. He'd be fine. But, you know, I've been saying for the last month and a half or however long it is, I've got a whole laundry list of coaches that would be fine uh, that that I think would do a good job. And certainly Matt Rule. Somewhere I saw, and, and you know, not that there's any credibility to this, but I saw a Twitter post, uh, Twitter tweet, Twitter, I saw on Twitter someone say that if you were to survey 300 
Texas high school coaches who their favorite college coach was to work with, uh, an incredibly high percentage of them would say Matt Rule, which that's important. That's good. And, you know, if Matt Rule can open some doors in Texas a little bit, but more importantly, Matt Rule's, you know, if, if, if he's kind of, if he's that kind of guy, you know, he's going to connect with Nebraska coaches as well. Um, Matt Rule, when way back when everybody started putting together their list of their top four, top five, Matt Rule was on my list of top five. I think he would do an excellent job at Nebraska if, in fact, he's the one that's hired. Uh, David Matney, living in Omaha, David Matney asks, do you think Trev has his coach already selected and he is just waiting for the end of the season? You well, know, what do you think, John? What You know what I think? I, th I think this. I'm going to say no. And the reason why I'm going to say no is this. There are so many leaks in this athletic department that if he has his coach selected, it would be out there. And it is kind of out there. There's a lot of stuff. There was rumors the last Thursday. There was rumors today that Matt Rule was going to be named the head coach. But, you know, it's just... Honestly, I, I still am of the opinion that, you know, does he have his coach selected? You know, he probably has his coach selected, but I don't know if he's finalized anything yet because if he finalized anything, I think he's going to have to announce that. Like, he's going to have to announce it within 10 minutes after the guy's signing a contract. You know, because otherwise it's just going to be so... The train, you know, the plane tracking and the, the constant, oh, I saw this person here and that person. It's Sunday night. It was the lights were on at the stadium at 9 p.m. And it's just constant, you know. Oh, my God. And it's really, again, I'm going to have to say this again. This is our timeline. This is not Trev Albert's timeline. Now, having said that, we are coming up on a period at which you kind of look at it and go, uh, you know, he has to get his staff together. He has to try to convince players they need to stay. He has to keep recruits or get recruiting rolling. And all of that is nil, too. There's the name, image, likeness stuff now that it wasn't in there before. So there's a lot of complexity. Now, having said all those things that a coach has to get ready for, I'm going to say this. His first season cannot matter. If you're looking at a coach and you think that a coach is going to come into Nebraska football in 2023 and make this a viable football team, just remove those expectations from your head. Now, I am not saying that it isn't going to happen. Maybe it will because we do have some fairly decent players. What I'm saying is this. Get the expectations out of your mind because typically the first year a coach is at a place doesn't count for much because they're trying to get their shit together. And it's us that have put pressure on them to do better at that. Um, did I explain that well enough? Set the expectation. Here's the difference. When I, when I say get rid of your expectations, it's not the same as me saying it's not going to happen. I'm reiterating, I know, but... People do this. They go, well, he should be good. And if he's a good coach, he should have us winning games in 2023. Not with these lines. And it's going to take a year or two to get these yeah. lines together. Well, you know, so, I'll tell you what. I've, I've seen a few people say, too, that, you know, bring in the right coach and they'll be winning in year two. And, you know, because other, other coaches have done that. And, you know, with the portal and all of these other things. And, you know, I'll tell you what. Um 
I, if, if that's the standard that we're going to have, I think uh, some folks may be setting themselves up for just continued disappointment. Um, no, we shouldn't have to wait five years, you know, to see success and see progress. Um, I would argue that we didn't see uh, success and progress in year three of uh, the the uh, the le- under the leadership of who shall not be named. <laughs> we have two of those now. God, I guess we do. Yeah, we do. Okay, look, it's a segue question. Thirteen point home dog at thirteen home underdog next weekend to Wisconsin. Okay. Why do you think that? Why do you Why do you think that is? I mean, we're we've been double digit underdogs, Todd. Because nobody has a clue whether or not Casey Thompson's going to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty doggone obvious that. Um, we are not going to play offensive football that's going to succeed with Chubba Purdy and or Logan Smothers as the quarterback. And is it because they don't have the skills? Is it because Mark Whipple's a stubborn son of a bitch? Um, we will not light the scoreboard up unless Casey Thompson is playing. I did a Wisconsin podcast today. Yeah, with the the Bucky's uh, fifth quarter guys. You usually get along with those guys, okay? <laughs> yeah, and I I was really, quite frankly, I was vindictive against our former coach, and I, I because I wanted them to know why he was fired. But I they asked, you know, what do you think's going on? And I, you know, I pointed out that without Casey Thompson, we're not going to have an offense. I think if Casey Thompson plays, that. We, we can beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin has their own issues. You know, Graham Mertz was supposed to be their savior quarterback, and he plays really well at times, but then sometimes he turns into a turnover machine. You know, and sometimes their offense doesn't play worth a crap either. So uh, I think it'll be interesting. I think our defense can hold them in check because I don't think they have any massive star. You know what I mean? They don't have anybody go, oh, my God, that guy. But the defense can't do that if they go three and out. And the three and out is in 45 seconds. You know what I mean? Well, you know, John, here's a crazy stat that I, I came across. And my numbers could very easily be off, but I'm going to go with it. So Nebraska had like 146 or 149 yards of total offense against Michigan, and they got beat by 30-plus points. Iowa had a, had the same number of yards, 146 or 149 yards of total offense against Wisconsin, and they won. And what are you, are you rubbing it in? What are you doing? I'm saying that we're going to have more <laughs> yards and a better offensive performance against Wisconsin than Iowa. Than Iowa. Well, you know what? Maybe Matt or Graham Hurts will throw some balls our way. Maybe we'll block a punt because he the the Wisconsin guy brought up their special teams and how much they've struggled on special teams. It's true. We're gonna talk ourselves into a win, Todd. Well, I'm always optimistic. I think <laughs> I I'm not making any damn predictions because I hate doing that. But I can Nebraska win against Wisconsin Saturday? Yes, they can, and they can win against Iowa the following Friday. 
they can win both of those games. Now, things have to go the right way for that to happen. But, you know. Okay. Let's see. Do you know anything else about Wisconsin football? Well, somebody tells me that the running back signed, sealed, and delivered to Michigan next year. Braylon, whatever his name is. Braylon Johnson, is it? No, Braylon. Braylon, I know you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm still stuck with Jalen Berger, and he left last year. Uh, I had a guy. I had. Uh, well, Ralph Davis says stop their run game, beat, run game, beat Wisconsin. I think that's true. For that is true. You know, if our defense can just focus on stopping the run, uh, maybe we can get Graham Mercer. But one the consistent ball thing of Nebraska football since back when Bo Pelini was the head coach is the inability to stop Wisconsin's running game. It's a new year. A new year. Yeah. Braylon Allen. Okay. Braylon Thanks. Allen. There you go. My God. Who the hell is uh, Braylon Edwards anyway? I don't know. <laughs> it was just two <laughs> names stuck together. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask a question of all the people that are here. You got We have a number of people here. That's nice. Uh, Big Ten West, Todd. The Big Ten West. Yes. Is a is you know a, a few weeks ago this was still stuck here i i we had this up and this was a a way that the big 10 west could end in a seven way tie and now if you look at the big 10 west standings which i'm going to do cuz i can't remember this stuff illinois iowa purdue and minnesota are all tied at the top of the big 10 west at 4 and 3 Wisconsin's three and four, Nebraska two and five, and Northwestern, God bless them, at one and six with their one win coming not on this continent. But what do we what do we know about the Big Ten West? You sort this out because you're smart. Well, what I know is that there are four teams tied at the top of the Big Ten West, all with a record of four and three: Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota. And you and I, before we came on the air, we were sitting there trying to figure out who beat who. And for the life of me, I can't tell you which one's got the leg up on anybody else. Now, granted, there's still two weeks to play. Iowa plays Minnesota this week, and that will sort some things out. Um, Kirk Ferentz has not lost to P.J. Fleck. Did you see Kirk Ferentz was crying at the press conference this week? No, why? He got all emotional because over the win and the fact that, you know, the fact that his son is a pathetic offensive coordinator and he wrecked, and then they actually put together a game where they had 146 yards of total offense and won. <laughs> and, and I'm sure, I'm sure. That a lot of that emotion. I mean, how would you feel if your son's getting crucified? Well, yeah. How would you feel if your son's constantly getting crucified by the fan base, et cetera, et cetera? And, uh, you know, that's probably pretty tough for a dad to take, even though he should never hired the kid. Um, you know what? You know how I'd feel? I'd feel like a dumbass for putting him in that position. And my wife, every night when I got home 
would look at me and go, well, I, you know, there's the couch. How about you sleep outside? There's a the tent in the yard I set up for you. I think that's what would happen in this household. But let's see. Minnesota plays Iowa and Scotson. They're two rivals. One of these teams has a, a just a clear-cut way to victory, and I think it's Purdue. Let's look at their schedule. Uh, now, Purdue, I think, plays Rutgers and okay. Jeff, Purdue, Jeff Purdue has Northwestern and Indiana left. <laughs> well, but if Iowa wins out, they've got the tiebreaker over Purdue. They do, they do. But I mean, come on, Iowa winning out is. Ooh, I'm clicking a lot. Iowa has. Uh, Minnesota and Nebraska, okay, and that vaunted Nebraska with Casey Thompson. Let's just say it, Nebraska with Casey Thompson. We're going to kick the shit out of them if we have Casey Thompson. Okay, whatever. We'll just move on. Uh, anyway, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big mess in the Big Ten West, and uh, I don't know. There's a lot of season left to be had, and I guess. This is my part of the conference I love watching most. I was so – I hate to admit this. I, what other games did you watch Saturday? Oh, I, I watched, I, I watched I, TCU in Texas. Yeah. And that, that game was kind of – it was a tussle for a long time. That was a pretty good game. And I, I, I'll tell you what, Max Duggan's a gamer. I mean, you know, he's, he's one tough hombre playing quarterback there. And – you know, he was he was benched. I mean, in essence, uh, he was not the top quarterback at the start of the season. And uh, after being their starter for the previous three seasons, um, good for him. You know, good old Lewis Central High School, Council Bluffs, Iowa graduate that he is. You know what? We're going to take a comment from Doomsday Diesel. Uh we only had four penalties against Michigan versus 11 at Indiana. That's kind of a win. You know, that was the thing about this game that made it so terrible to watch. I mean, I, I can watch. Are you like I watching play penalties? Play. No, it was just there was nothing, nothing that happened. There was no stupidity even. We didn't turn the ball over. We didn't make horrible, stupid plays. We just couldn't do anything. And that's the thing about it. I mean, sometimes you can watch football games that are like the the cheese at bowl, if you remember a few years ago, that had like, what was it, eight turnovers in the first half, and it was just a horrible game to watch. But it was fun because it was hilarious. There was none of that in the Michigan-Nebraska game. And that was the problem. I mean, if we'd have been throwing stupid interceptions, at least I could have gone, ah, this is a stupid interception. But we weren't even doing that. So... I don't know. I I ask too much from things, don't I? Well, I just kind of wonder where your priorities are at. <laughs> uh, okay, what do we got here? I just picked Vince Watson. If Mickey stays in any capacity, what are the odds of Trey, Casey, and others staying for another year? Well, Todd? Has, has Trey Palmer done enough to be – picked in the first two or three rounds of the NFL draft. I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And, yeah. you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, once again, the play-by-play -play guys didn't do a whole lot of homework because I 
remember a comment when he dropped the one that was right in his hands and they said, well, that's, that doesn't happen very often. Oh my goodness gracious. Trey Palmer's drop passes all year. Now the guy is lightning in a bottle. I mean, he is no, you know, and, and, uh, it's fun to watch. Um, I don't think Trey Palmer's ready to go to the NFL. Casey Thompson, you know, um, he could transfer somewhere and play another season in another place um, because, you know, with the coaching change, he'd be eligible to do that. I, I think if Mickey sticks around, I think Trey Palmer will stick around. I think that there'll be quite a few players that stick around. There'll be some that leave. Um, you know, they're going to think that the grass is greener somewhere else. And depending upon who the new head coach is, there may be some that are encouraged to leave if they're not going to fit into, you know, the system that he's going to run. Um, but I don't, I mean, I would be shocked unless we have a lot of players leave. I would be shocked that, uh, you know, at least the names that are being mentioned right now as potential head coaches don't expect them to go into the portal and totally flip um, flip this roster over. Um, I think most important in regard to keeping Mickey Joseph around are keeping some of those commits that we have right now and, and get those guys on campus uh, at Nebraska. Um, I guess related to recruiting, no, I don't think you re I don't think we can recruit ourselves you know, to a winning program. Uh, you got to have the Jimmies and Joes, but you also got to be able to develop those guys. And that's Ralph something oh, sorry. That's, that hasn't happened. Ralph Davis says, Sam McEwen from the Omaha paper commented that the Midland teams in the Big Ten are pretty strong. Does that include Big Ten West teams? You know what? I'd, I'd put up, I'd take Illinois. I would take Illinois and put them up against, quite frankly, the middle teams from most of the other conferences. And I think that they would fare well. I really do. I think your SEC, you've got Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. I think they're top heavy a lot. Uh, but I think Illinois, Auburn, I don't know. I, why wouldn't you think Illinois could possibly win that game? Uh, no, Purdue? I think Purdue against a lot of the other conferences, a lot of teams in those conferences would probably be a fairly good game. Minnesota, eh, let's let's face it, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Northwestern are really kind of they're just lost. I mean, two of those teams have already fired their coach, and I don't know what Pat Fitzgerald's going to do to get his mojo back. But I'd say you know Iowa. God only knows what Iowa would do to anybody. Because, you know, even without an offense, their defense still makes enough plays to make everything interesting all the time. See, that's that's where I'm kind of thinking right now. You know, just take a step back to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, whether it's Michigan or um, Ohio State, whichever one wins the East, um, if Iowa wins the West, it's not going to be a blowout. They're not going to – they're not going to – with that defense that Iowa has – um, it's going to be an ugly game. Well, look, here's the next thing. MK says it will be Iowa sacrificed in the Big Ten championship game. I am at peace with this. 
Who they? What was the the last time Iowa was in the won the division? They had scored three points against Ohio State. Was it? That was last year. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? It was a sad game, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Not much has changed. All right, Blade Cole, all the way from Japan, comes to us with gentlemen. Do you think players attend Nebraska with the hopes of being drafted in the NFL? Of course they do. Yeah, I, I think that you what you do when you attend any place is that you want to get on the field and be able to showcase your abilities. I mean, think about this for a moment. Wondell Robinson went to Kentucky and he got drafted and he's now in the NFL and making plays in the NFL. So the problem wasn't that he came to Nebraska. The problem was that he didn't get to showcase his talents because he was used incorrectly at Nebraska. So, you know, when Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer came to Nebraska, I'm sure that Trey Palmer was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm going to have a good quarterback. I'm one that can get me the ball. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's, you know, Bryce Benhart, who we abuse constantly, was a four-star out of high school. I, that guy probably came into college and thought, okay, I'm going to try to do the best I can to make the NFL. And, it just hasn't worked out that way. So, yeah, I think I think if you're in the right position, uh, yeah, definitely you would go to Nebraska to make it into the NFL. It hasn't worked out as well as it should have lately, certainly. But um, I don't know. What do you think, Todd? No, I think there are still guys that come to, the, come to Nebraska with the dream of playing in the NFL. Quite honestly, I think anybody that's a Division I recruit has at least some desire, some dream, of, of playing in the league. Um, I don't think you you uh, move on to the top level of college football without harboring at least, you know, some desire to play at the next level. M. Gaboski, our Michigan guy, says, I want to play Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. We haven't played them since 2017. Well, your chances are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think Purdue is – I Purdue is probably, I think, performed a little bit better than I thought they would. Uh, but I, you know, that would be interesting. Okay. We're kind of running out of topics, Todd, and we still have 20 minutes left. So should we just talk about coaches? Well, we could talk I, about coaches. We have almost 90 people listening and here's what I want you guys to do. Matt rule. Okay. The rumors are they're strong rumors that Matt Rule is going to be our next head coach. I want to see from your comments what you think of Matt Rule as Nebraska's head coach. Because when I posted, uh, here's the thing. I, you know, a few weeks ago we did the list of coaches that I should make videos about. And I I've, I've, think I've gotten through four or five of them. Uh, Matt Rule was on that list. I did that, and it, I was surprised at the number of people on YouTube that are very negative toward Matt Rule. Well, the and first then, three comments here are very negative about Matt Rule. Wow. What? John, what? you also Is have it? made the comment a number of times that not everyone's going to be happy with whoever Nebraska picks. But I, don't, I just think there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. Okay, could you guys – how about Levante David? Uh, That's Gaboski? the greatest Nebraska NFL player. You missed the question. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Matt Hansen says, I can't wait until this coaching search is over. It is grueling. God, it is. It is because we're all insane and we let the rumors and everything drive us to I I know Husk guys is on Twitter. He's a big has a big account and he said that he, this needs to be announced because his work productivity is is hurting. <laughs> and you know, I kind of get that because people just keep sitting and going, okay, are they announcing? The lights were on at Memorial Stadium at 9 p.m. on Sunday night. So I want to know, okay, you some of you guys commented no on Matt Rule. Why not? Is it that he looks like an Ewok? Because one of the, th okay, Chris Tessing says Matt Rule is about as good as you could do regarding and has had success, a big coaching name, and who meets that criteria and doesn't have any super big baggage like being like Urban Meyer. And that is the truth. I guess Tyler Austin says Matt Rule is mediocre, but the best we're going to get right now. Todd, why do these think people think Matt Rule is mediocre? I don't know. Because Tyler, could you explain why you think he's re mediocre? Because he didn't succeed with the Carolina Panthers. Now, you know what? I do not believe in the occult, but apparently I have a giant white foam finger over my shoulder. I don't know what that means. What are you talking about? Right up here under my over over my over this shoulder, right? <laughs> See? <laughs> what the hell? Okay. Uh Shay Blatarski says, I have a college friend who used to cover the Panthers and he says no on Matt Rule. Okay, there was something that I, I did put in the video. And it was that the thing that did disturb me about uh, Matt Rule was how he brought he brought Cam Newton into the Panthers, and then he signed him, and then he let him go again, and then he brought him back again, and then he he gave who was it somebody he gave sixty three million dollars to be the quarterback. Uh, I his roster management has been questionable at best at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, my son also said that his play calling has been a complete mess. But then when I looked up, I, I tried to look at our Carolina Panthers site and get some ideas. Uh, they said that he doesn't call the plays for the Carolina. Oh, I know what the other thing is, is in the time that he was at Carolina, he went through three different offensive coordinators, which I guess you're, if you're looking for the right mix, uh, I don't know. So... M. Gaboski says Nick Saban failed at the Dolphins, which he did miserably. He did. Was, that was uh, that was terrible. Uh, I guess if if we hire Matt Rule, I think it's I'm not going to be horribly disappointed in it. I guess it's a wait and see thing for me. I think what's going to be important with it is he's an Ewok, and what did the Ewoks do to be successful, Todd? Uh, la, la, la. They aligned themselves with forces stronger and complementary to themselves. That is the correct answer, Mr. Wolverton. So I think for, for, for you know, for Bill, like Bill O'Brien, I, who I said was oatmeal, but oatmeal is always better dependent upon what you put with it. I think for both of those coaches, if either of those coaches are named our head coaches, I wanted to see who they're going to bring with them, who's going to be their defensive coordinators, and who's going to be their offensive coordinators. 
you know, because I don't, I just, Matt Rule is kind of like, okay, let's see what he can do. But if he brings in, I think, some exciting offensive coordinators and stuff, uh, I that would that would be all right with me. Did you know? Did you know that Matt Rule grew up in State College, Pennsylvania? I did not know that. He did, and he played as a walk-on for Joe Paterno. Wow. And wow. I think nineteen ninety in the late nineties, Big Ten, uh, Penn State joined the Big Ten in nineteen ninety three. So he did play for Joe Paterno in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it might have been as a walk-on, but at least he knows what the Big Ten is about. So I think that that's a, uh, that's a, you know, that is a, at least something. Whereas my concern was before, he didn't know anything about the Big Ten. Jeff Kersbergen, Jeff Kersbergen says, if you fire Frost early in the season and rule is the best you can get, then that is the end of Albert's career at Nebraska. Do you think that's the case, Todd? Well, if Matt Rule doesn't succeed, yes. I mean, you know, Trev Alberts is making, as some people would say, the most important hire in the history of Nebraska football. And if it if it fails, uh, he may not get a chance to hire another coach. Um, but I do you think that's do you think that's fair? No, I don't think that's fair. I, you know, Sean Icarus, Mike Riley. Yeah, well, <laughs> you weren't going to let that guy hire another football coach, were you? No. <laughs> I, you know, Trev Alberts, and again, yeah, I've said it before. I'm, I'm not in the Trev Alberts fan club, but everything that he has done at Nebraska. In my opinion, he has done with a lot of foresight. I think he's the right person for the job at Nebraska right now. Um, folks, he hasn't been sitting, you know, behind his desk, um, you know, since he fired Scott Frost. He has, I guarantee you, uh, he's been out and about. He's talked to a lot of people. I think he's going to make a very informed choice uh, as far as who the next coach is. Um, you know, sure, there there might be some coaches out there that, uh, you know, have a lot of flash, you know, draw a lot of attention to themselves. You know, Deion Sanders, you know, might be one. Urban Meyer would be another. You know, those kinds of guys. But you know, you simply have to ask yourself, is is that the kind of coach that is best for Nebraska? Um, and I think Trev Alberts has got a pretty good handle on what Nebraska is. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that Nebraska is that same entity as it was back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. No, it's not. And I don't think that you have to cater to you know, the people older than you and me. Um, they're not going to be buying season tickets for many more years. <laughs> okay. Well, that's pretty blunt. So, so I, I'm just going to have, you know, I, I said this at the outset. I'm going to trust that Trev Alberts is going to hire 
the right coach for Nebraska. I, you know, when you talk about the fact that if he hires the wrong coach, his career is over at Nebraska, I mean, you might as well say that he's an NFL GM because that's pretty much how the NFL works. And I guess you look at an athletic department and there is way – there is so much more to running an entire athletic department with 22 sports. I know that a lot of people don't acknowledge the other 21 sports at Nebraska, but they, they're still there. They're still important. I mean, come on, either be a Husker or don't be a Husker, for God's sakes. All right, back to some comments. Ooh, uh, we're going to go with David Matney again. Do you think Scott Frost's career, coaching career, is over for good? Is there any way his career can be rehabilitated? His career wanna... as a coach is not over if, if he uh... – if he doesn't, if he, if he wants to continue to coach, he'll coach. Um, Scott Frost has Scott Frost can coach. He's just not a head coach at the University of Nebraska. His name's being mentioned right now um, as you know one of the top candidates at the University of South Florida. Um, he he can be an offensive coordinator in a lot of places uh what in my opinion and nobody asked this but i think scott frost needs to stay away from coaching for a year i think scott frost needs to work on scott frost yeah i think he needs to work on being better in all aspects of his life and i'm not gonna go down any rabbit holes there, but I think it would serve Scott Frost very well uh, in his future if that was his focus and his priority. My God, that was so diplomatic. It was like you've had years of having to talk to parents or something and be a decent human being and not stomp on people's heads. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave Todd's answer. Todd is correct in what he's saying. We'll just go on from here. Uh, okay, Owen Walker, I think it is. My opinion is that it's been a kind of a down year for available head coaches. Do you think that's true, Todd? I think there's some good coaches out there. Um, you know, part of it, I think, is, well, in my business, <laughs> uh, there was always a comment was, uh, you know, when when you bring in speakers and trainers and all those kinds of stuff, you know, you gotta you gotta look um, outside of fifty miles. You know, you gotta go further than fifty miles away. You know, because anybody that lives closer than fifty miles, you know, they're they're not an expert. You know, and the further away you bring somebody in, the the more of an expert they are. Um, so, I think Lance, honestly. Um, and, and no one's asked this. I think somebody asked early on, John, who would your dream pick for the job be? I saw that. Oh, he did? Yeah. I, I honestly think if of, of who's kind of out there and who's reasonable, I almost think Lance Leopold would be the guy I would go with. And, you know, I've said, yeah, I could live with Lane Kiffin. You know, I think it'd be kind of exciting to have Lane Kiffin be the coach. Um, but man, I I think 
I think Lance Leopold's got a lot going on. And um, I would be very happy if he was the head coach at Nebraska. I think that the whole thing for available head coaches is entirely it's entirely correlated to the fact that we've had like uh, six months at 600,000 days <laughs> to review. And there's been 8 million articles written about every freaking coach out there. And we literally have covered this stuff over and over and over. I mean, can you imagine if we would have fired a guy and then in nine days we hired a new coach? We didn't had only nine days to complain about every one of these coaches. So the other thing is, is there's no such – we've already been burned by – there was this idea of a surefire hot coach that was going to turn the program around and nobody else could do it. So everybody's gun shy with that too. So I don't know if there's – you know, beyond the guys that are at the top of the charts right now and the programs they lead, everybody else has warts. And even those guys have warts. I mean, if you go out there, and I love being on Twitter for sports. I do. I love for the college football crowd on Twitter. People, There are people right now posting on message boards wanting Nick Saban fired. Because that's, yeah. you know, that's what's going on at Alabama. That, oh my God, this team has come apart. They've lost, what, two games, three games? They've lost three, Todd, I think. Yeah. And, and Nick two. Saban needs to be fired because it's the end of the world. And But, you know, okay, well, M. Gabowski you know, says – Hold on just a minute. Let me throw what? I said I said a few weeks ago there's also something that has to be said about fit. And, you know, there are some coaches that will fit and there's some that aren't. I personally do not believe – that Deion Sanders will fit at Nebraska. I mean, I just I said that before I saw the last, you know, statement come up here. I really don't believe that he's a fit at Nebraska. And, you know, there was a what what got me thinking along those lines is Sonny Dykes and Jamie Chadwell. Sonny Dykes is Texas through and through. Texas, 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 Texas. We're not gonna pull Sonny Dykes out of Texas. Jamie Chadwell, you know, he's – I love his offense. His team's out – they play exciting football. But I don't think you're going to pull him to Nebraska. And if you did, I think that that's almost would be kind of a fish out of water. Now, it, you know, that isn't to say that somebody who has experiences in the other part of the country won't fit at Nebraska. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. But there's a certain kind of culture. There's certain things that come with playing in the Big Ten – you know that you have to you have to consider and you have to keep that in mind okay i'm going to take two more uh i put up the one from m gaboski i would take rule at michigan if harbaugh left uh okay my my mouse is getting it's been a pain lately okay let's go with this one asawar sajid says my two top top choices are Dion sanders and lane kiffin I think the recruiting is the most important aspect to Nebraska's future. We're, we're down the last few minutes. You guys that want Deion Sanders, I mean, why do you think Deion Sanders would succeed at Nebraska? I know they have the recruiting thing, but that can't be everything. So, and then give it, I'll give you a couple minutes. I want to hear from Deion Sanders supporters in the comments. Why would you why would you want Deion Sanders here? He has no power five experience. And then uh, Blaine Cole. Generally speaking, the offensive linemen prefer to run block or pass block. They prefer to run block. Run block. Run block. They'd rather they be going forward than backwards. 
You know, before the days of the blindside block, here's what pulling guards lived for, okay? Like in the old option days. And they probably still do. You pulled out of your position as a guard, and what you do is you're running down the line. Normally, the defensive end is the first guy that steps over. You're not looking for the defensive end You're normally. In a lot of plays, you're looking for the linebacker, and he's going to meet you at the end of the line. And you know also that your linebacker, the linebacker, is not looking at you coming to block him. He's looking in the backfield at the quarterback and the running back. So that by the time you reach him, you're running hopefully full speed with a full bing, and you just explode all over him and crush him into the ground. And that's normally anymore. A lot of that is blindside stuff, and you can't do it anymore. But, uh, you know, run blocking because you get to really just hammer the shit out of guys and force your, you know, I mean, Come on, if you're a 300-pound lineman, would you love to hit like a 230-pound linebacker or what? And just maul him into the ground? All right, what else do we got? Did, are, did, uh, let's see, Dion, what did they say about Dion, Todd? I was talking. Well, it's uh, mostly people saying that he wouldn't be a good fit. and um, the, the, I didn't see very many positive comments about Dion here. One of the things um, we have okay. to get that from Thongway Reldman. Right. I think okay. Nebraska so, fans want one. He's not going to. He will not bring in a full roster of five stars because, as you said, John, he doesn't have um, you know Power Five conference experience. And while he can recruit some five stars, so can Nick Saban, so can Jimbo Fisher, so can Kirby Smart. So can a lot of those guys recruit five-star athletes, and there's only so many of them to go around. So, you know. Travis Bartling says Dion would bring a different attitude. He wouldn't do any worse than Riley Frost or Joseph. Well, we want people that are going to do better than those people. So he would bring a different attitude. I just don't think he'd, I don't think he'd fit here. I think that... He likes the spine. He likes the the limelight, but he's going to have to deal with a lot of shit at Nebraska too, and I'm not so sure he's good at de dealing with that. Uh, there was one more I wanted to take. Well, there was one from I think it was James Marshall or something Marshall, and he, he wonders if there's still that candidate out there that nobody is aware of or nobody's been looking at, and I keep wondering that myself. In the back of my mind, is oh. there someone out there that no one's talking about? So, Owen Walker, this will probably be a, Owen Walker. Who is your dream hire, John? Well, the obvious answer is the guy who wins championships. <laughs> That's cheating. I think. I think. Okay, when we did, if you remember a few weeks ago, when we did the show where I said, "What is the list of coaches that you want to look at?" Oh, my hair's getting all messy. We had Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien, Matt Campbell, Chris Kleeman, Lane Kiffin, Lance Leopold, Dion for the views is what I wrote down, the guy at Coastal Carolina, Matt Rule, which I've done, Kyle Whittingham, and Dino Babers, Bobbers, Bibbers. Dino Babers. Okay. Yeah. I think if I had to pick out all those, there was a reason why Dave Aranda is at the top of that list. Now, one name I did want to do a video on, and I think my time is running short on doing the videos because I do think that we're going to get a, 
we're going to get a coach named in the next, I don't know, the next week. I, I really want to look at Chris Kleeman because I don't know that much about him. But I, I guess out of all of those people, I'd probably pick Dave Aranda. And the reason why I picked Dave Aranda is the fact that his defenses at Wisconsin were incredible, that he went to LSU and won a national title being a defensive coordinator. And I think that if he, I think that, um, I don't know. I think a defensive coach that understood the Big Ten and could coach a good defense in the Big Ten just gives you so many, so many, a, a much higher upside, put it that way. You know what I mean? Like the whole idea that we're going to score 40 points and win a game, which is what I kept saying during that previous guy's era. We need to score 40 points. Or, you know, and win a game. I think that if you have a defense that is, uh, oh my God, I'm going to say Iowa level. And you know what? That brings up a segue. One more thing, Todd. I'm like Columbo now. What have we, <laughs> that's an old reference. What's the name of the Iowa defensive coordinator? Phil Parker. That's the guy. That Phil is the Parker. guy that nobody has brought up as a coach that you know, would be interesting if he came to Nebraska because I think that guy can coach defense. He can coach it well enough to put players in the NFL, which brings in, by the way, you guys keep talking about five stars. If you want players to come, one of the best ways you get players to come to your program is to get them into the NFL and show that you can develop, recruit, and develop players that are going to go on to the next level. And those guys will go, I want to go to the program that keeps putting tight ends in the league. I want to go to the program that keeps putting defensive tackles in the league. But I tell you um, what, I said a few weeks ago when you know people were trying to pin me down and stuff, I think you unload the piggy bank on Phil Parker and make him the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football at the University of Nebraska and then worry about your head coach afterwards. There. And I can't uh, I have to go throw up a little bit because I <laughs> wanna... you said too many nice things about Iowa or what? Yeah. God. <laughs> okay. We're, we're over our hour that we usually we're strive for. Cause we're I'm getting cause tired, we're, John. We're old people and you know, we have to go, uh, I don't know. It's eight 30. What are you going to do, Todd? Go to bed. I'm going to Scott's bluff uh, <gasps> later this week. Oh, so I've still got a little bit of work to do to prepare for that trip. So I'm going to go play video games and kill fake people because it's just, it's mind numbingly stupid. Yeah. I still keep looking for a pong game. I watched all quiet on the Western front last night. Oh, good movie. It was very good. It bothered me that they changed the ending that bothered me a little, but it is an excellent movie. Uh, my family's like, why are you watching a sad, depressing movie? It's kind of like it was one of the best movies ever made in the history of film. 1929, 1930. What's interesting about that movie, the original, is keep this in mind. Those guys had no idea of what was coming. And it's it's really just an interesting... I thought it was an interesting juxtaposition between the original movie, which I've seen several times... Which is unbelievable that they made it and that well all those years ago. 
and then the interpretation you get now after we know all those decades of history. I guess I was sure about that up earlier, but now we're too old. We, you know, maybe in the off season we'll just go into film theory. There you go. <laughs> all Better right. Good night. Better Good than night, literature. Todd. Good night, John. Good night. Good night. Okay.